in a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses originating from a plethora of sources. A group of longtime friends band together and try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy to digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. Welcome to episode 78 of Geeking Off the Page. I'm Mike. I'm Trevor. And we have some stuff to talk about. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, and episode 78. Wow, we've been doing this a while. Um, so, yeah, this we, as, as Mike just said, we, we missed a couple of weeks due to, you know, family stuff and, and whatnot. So uh, we have plenty to, to go over. I want to put the ball in your court first, Mike. What do you want to talk about first? Okay, let's do a little bit of a flashback. We watched Creed. Okay. Okay, it's been a while since that movie came out, but I hadn't seen it. This is one Mrs. Kitchen has been wanting to watch for a while. And overall, I thought it was pretty good. Have you seen it? I have. I have. I really liked Creed. It it had the same flavor of the Rocky films. I mean, yeah, it helped Sylvester Stallone was in, but it still, it had that same just atmospheric feel like it just seamlessly like oh right after the last rocky film start creed and it's like it works it it worked beautifully and also helps that i mean michael b jordan is uh, i think he's very underrated as an actor that the man does have pretty good range in his acting skills so yeah yeah so we enjoyed it and the best analogy i could come up with is it's kind of like ghostbusters afterlife where it was it's a good film if you compare it to the original, it's like, okay, it it doesn't measure up, right? There's the original, and then there's this. That's obviously a sequel. They're obviously going to the same tropes. Sylvester Stallone, I loved how he did the Rocky Balboa babble, which mm-hmm. was great, how he just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and rambling on. Um, his character, I thought, was great in it. One huge problem I had was that uh, Breed was... Uh, an illegitimate child that pissed me off because I thought it would be so much better if he was an actual legitimate son. And there's something I thought it worked better with him being basically the bastard child of Adonis, because that puts a lot of tension between Adonis's wife and, and, and Donnie, because, you know, not my child, why should I care? But I love my husband so much that yeah you know i can see my husband in this in this man yeah it just bothered me so much with like that was one element that just popped me out of the whole movie i thought it could have been written better i i know that it had i mean i i watched the dvd commentary on some of that and they had bandied the idea around and it was stallone that said no he shouldn't be creed's son because otherwise he would have been a much bigger part in Rocky four. When Creed died, his son should have been at the ring or there should have been like at the funeral. But the way it was written was that he hadn't been born yet, but that's the pro. I mean, so the thing is the wife would be pregnant at the time when all that happened, it could still work. Like, it, could, there's... it could, but I just, then you don't have the whole thing of, why would he be so antagonistic towards his his dad's wife? His not his mom, but you know, it, it, it their relationship with not having that blood relation, but just the relationship of having Adonis as a shared, 
you know, father and, and husband, I think that made them more adversarial and gave it a nice, you know, she wasn't like all open arms accepting, oh, glad to have you back. So I was more like, what are you doing here? You know, and then she's looking at him like, I can see my husband in your face and it pisses me off. And I think that's, that kind of helped for me. That's helped sell the whole, you know, he hasn't been running off his dad's dime sort of thing because his his stepmom in a way would not have paid for anything. And yeah, I still think it could have been handled better. And for me, it just because I like legacy stories and I like stuff when it's done well like that. Um oh, the passing the baton on to the next mm-hmm. generation. And to me, it cheapens the Apollo Creed character because it shows him as being not honorable. So oh, I mean you he, have this completely. whole I mean, he was, he was, they established him as an asshole in the first film when he was like, I'm going to give this guy a shot. I'm going to give this chump a shot, knowing I'm going to just demolish him. Right. And that's the character arc. So he starts off like that. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up training Rocky and then he yeah. dies in the ring. So it's like there's this heroic arc that happens, and this friendship that happens between the two characters. And I and... think that's, you know, Adonis, like the, his son was kind of like a part of it was his. Um, you know, maybe a, a bit of his dark side, you know, the last little bit of shedding of his dark side. But um, I think it I, again, I think it's good that he had this illegitimate son because there's no real mention of this kid at all, like even through Rocky Five and Rocky Six and Adrian's Revenge and you know, all the other Rocky films. He never said, Oh, what about Apollo's kid? Because if it, like in if in Rocky Six, when he's you know getting the the stuff cleared out of his basement and coming to terms with the loss of Adrian and whatnot, if he knew about Apollo's kid, if his kid was you know Apollo's kid was legitimate, he would have been like, well, let's bring Donnie in on this, you know, because Apollo was such a big part of Rocky's life anyway. But with not knowing that this kid exists, it makes sense that he wouldn't be part of Rocky's journey until, you know. I think the- there's a way it could have been written. That's one thing I've been kind of script doctoring in my head. I think there's a way that you could have the kid around and have him come into his life and keep the honor of Apollo Creed. Now, here's I my don't question. like it when they desecrate old characters for the sake of a new story. What's the question? Did you go into Creed 2? Not yet. Okay. Although we were supposed to watch it tonight, but we're <laughs> podcasting. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff about Creed 3. Uh, which I haven't seen. I don't think it's even out yet. Um, or it, it has come out, I think, hasn't it? Didn't you know it came out in March. I just I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't come on any streaming services yet. So and Stallone's um, not a part of that one, right? I believe he's not because I think hint hint something happens to him in, in number two. Um so yeah. But number two is all about the son of Creed fighting the son of Drago. Right. Um, which is a big one. So, yeah, two, I really, I had a, a lot of fun watching two. So that's as much as I'm going to say. Until you see it. Sounds so, good. Yeah, it's kind of cool that you saw Creed. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like we're taking a film from, I mean, Rocky came out in what, 78? I think it was 78. Or even maybe 76. I think it was the year before Star Wars that came out. Not 100 sure. Maybe uh, Troy can work his his uh, editing magic and pop the date. 1976. Oh, there we go. Because um, I know that Jaws was the first 
blockbuster. Um, and then Star Wars was the 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 blockbuster. So yeah. So I think Rocky was the year previous of the blockbuster generation. But yeah, it's I, I like when they take an old film like that, do a spiritual continuation of the characters, you know, bring up another generation, kind of like afterlife. Yeah, usually it's not as great as the original. But it, it, it invokes enough nostalgia so that people who know the original and, and grew up with the original can enjoy it. Yeah. And it, when it holds up, and it, for the most part, it respected all the characters and the vibe. I still don't like he was a bastard son, but everything else I thought it was good. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, um, that's cool. That's that's really cool that you, you pulled that one out because that came out in what? 2015. 15? I thought it was 20. Yeah. No, 18. 15. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um, anything else? Or do you want me to jump in with one? Oh, you jump in. All right. So um, my wife and I finished off uh, Jury Duty. Uh, we talked about that last time in episode 77. Uh, so we were like, all right, what's the show we start watching? And, and Mary gets a lot of suggestions from the various podcasts she listened to and, and friends at work. And there's one that came out. Uh, it's called Beef. Um, and it's a very much a black comedy, like a very dark comedy. Um, and it, it stars a uh, main one that is Steven Yeun, who you recognize from like The Walking Dead as Glenn. And it's about this guy who's a, kind of a down on his luck contractor, um, gets involved in a road raid incident. And the other side is this woman named Ali Wong playing uh, Amy. She's a small business owner. Uh, has a plant selling business. Um, she gets into the road rage instant with uh, Stephen Young's character, Danny. Um, he's dealing with money issues. His parents, like something has, I've only seen the first episode. So something has happened and his parents lost the motel that they had and have had to move back to Korea and are living with his uncle. And his cousin was part of it. The, the reason why everything went to hell. So he's trying to buy a plot of land for his parents to, he's going to build a house for his parents to be able to come back to the U.S., um, but his brother has a gambling problem and, um, you know, he's just basically really just down on his luck. Like he's, you find out he's trying to kill himself. He's bought like four little gas powered hibachi, um, gas grills, puts them in his room, turns them up full blast to kind of eat up all the oxygen in the room. And then he has like a, a CO2 sensor and when it goes off. And he's starting to get woozy and he's like, nope, nope, I can't do this. So he's, he's trying to kill himself in a painless way, um, but he just can't go through with it. Um, but at the same time, Amy Lau has got like, she's got like the perfect life, but it's grating on her. She has rage issues. And just looking at the coming up this season sort of thing, um, it, it this gets dark, really dark hard. Like at one point, Amy is basically... Her husband has changed the code on their personal safe to keep her away from their gun. Like they have a handgun for home defense. She figures out the code and basically she masturbates with the gun, the power of having a gun. She keeps clicking it around herself. And, and then, you know, Danny basically searches through the internet because he's got her license plate number, tracks down her house, invites himself in as a contractor down the street. And he noticed some problems with their house. And she's like, oh my God, just had this house remodeled and there's what are the problems and at the end he's like i can i just use your bathroom and then i gotta go and he she's like oh okay and then he's like oh okay bye and he runs off and she's like well that's weird she opens the bathroom door and he is pissed everywhere 
and she like freaks out and this starts basically what's going to be the rage war between them so it's called beef came out this year it's currently on netflix first episode was enough to hook me i want to see the rest of the episodes i just want to see how depraved this really gets yeah interesting yeah it's a it's a it's very strange but at the same time that first episode really hooks you yeah it's it's kind of fun so volleying it back to you what have you watched what else have you watched in the last couple of weeks a demon slayer still going with that okay um it's one of those things that like, you really have to see a few episodes to discuss it mm-hmm. um i think one of the greatest things with writing is it manages to take these really weird quirky characters and make them interesting and also to create these characters that you absolutely hate you despise like when you first see them you just want to murder them and through the character arc it starts showing some humanity and you start to feel for them and then by the end they feel like these humanized characters that you actually care about you know often this is right before they get killed of course. so um that's an interesting one that came up with um or came up in discussion with work you know people had brought it up as well so like people are watching it saying it's you know top 10 anime of all time you know i wouldn't go as far as to say it's better than naruto and boruto and all that kind of stuff but the animation quality is incredible the story arcs are really fun yeah the demons are interesting again i'm not a zombie guy but the way they handle all that stuff is really good it's kind of like a mix between zombies and vampires and the unique powers that the characters have. That's one thing that anime does really well. Like I was thinking about this too, because modern American entertainment is just rehashing old stuff. They basically buy a property and do a cheap ass version of it. Run it into the ground. Right. Whereas in anime in manga all that kind of stuff they're actually creating new characters so there's these new essentially franchises and they can come up with their own thing their own characters their unique twist on powers and abilities and it's fun to watch all that stuff evolve so in demon slayer they have all these breathing techniques where they basically harness the elements and put it through their swords so they can you know get the flaming sword and use water style breathing and all this kind of stuff it's a lot of fun. It's the kind of thing where, like, if you're going to make the Marvel comics universe today, like, it's all been done, right? Like, you yeah. you have all those powers. So if you're going to create a new thing, you have to kind of reinvent where those powers are drawn from and what historical elements from the culture creates those powers. You mm-hmm. know, like, mutants have been done, but you can create a new thing. So... It's a lot of fun. And that, another interesting thing is, I guess, comic book sales lately have been down. Yes, nearly like, down. Yeah. Like they're saying, what, like 30%, 40% down in sales across the board. Mm-hmm. But the manga sales are up by the exact same percentage. And that just goes to show that everybody's just bailing on the American media and going into yeah the alternates like the imports the mm-hmm. people who are still actually trying to make an effort with the storytelling and come up with original ideas and actually have a moral message so that's been interesting all that stuff's been rambling around in my brain but yeah the whole family's been having fun with demon slayer so far 
this uh-huh. arc, they're in the Swordsmith Village, and the upper tier demons are coming in to kill everybody. Um, some of the old secondary characters haven't appeared in this one, so they've introduced like a new set of secondary characters, which are interesting. We just got through a backstory with one of the main ones, but it's fun. If you're looking for a good anime to watch. Yeah, yeah I think I've, I've gotten through season one and I'm a, about a third of the way through season two. Okay. And it's really weird too, because the seasons change in vibe. Season one feels like a traditional anime. Mm-hmm. And then, um, which was two? Was that the train? Uh, no, I think season three is the train. I haven't reached the train yet. Okay. Because the train one Every, feels yeah. more like a I've movie. Heard everything goes on its ear at that point. It's like, hey, yeah. we're, we're switching shit up. Enjoy. Yeah. Buckle up. Stay with the ride. Yeah. And then this one, you can tell the budget went way up and they're doing way more stuff. But the anyway, it's completely crazy. It's fun. <laughs> if you like anime, give it a try. Awesome. Um, so I'm seeing it volley back to me. So I've been watching Citadel on Amazon Prime. That's the Russo brothers with the giant budget spy thriller. Did you uh, finish it? Yeah, it, it finally finished. Yeah, we finished as well. Yeah. Um, I know they've already announced there's going to be a season two, but the last two episodes really shit the bed. It was I just, agree. I was just like, oh, God, guys, what happened? Like, did you not know you were going to get renewed? Or did you know you were going to get renewed? Because some of the, the, the writing calls... Some of the, the action sequences, it was just like, wow, who phoned this in on a, on a soggy napkin? Because it was terrible. It and was- one interesting thing, like we were talking about how it could have essentially been like a Black Widow movie when you saw mm-hmm. the start. You know, you have this femme fatale female special agent who can go around and kick people's butts. And it felt like that. But then as the series progressed, it kind of turned into the Black Widow movie where it was less about the spies it's more about the relationships and yeah oh yeah. my wife's the bad guy and oh this is my relationship with this person and it's all this weird kind of family drama oh but we have a daughter and my dad and blah. yeah stop yeah. it no keep that it stuff just, out of the spot it just it really fell apart it really really did i was yeah i got through episode five and i was like do i want to see episode six do i want to watch this train wreck I mean, we know the bridge is out. We see the train starting to tumble over. Do we need to flash down to the bottom and watch all the tra- all the trains as they Im- like the train and the cars as they impact on the ground? And yep, yep, I did. And yep, yep, they did. And it was just like, wow, that was. And there wasn't an ending, as far as I'm concerned. No, they were well, building they... up all this plot about the briefcase and the agents and the assassination of everyone. Then it just turned into, oh, by the way, we have a daughter. This briefcase has nukes, and I guess it's the end of the series. So, whoa, what happened? Yeah, yeah. It's like I, 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 there's no closure. Yeah. So as far as I'm I concerned, think it, I think it was, that was unless I fell asleep. Hey, we got a season two, so let's not end the story. But and the season two looks like it's some other character, right? Or is it the know. the second wife? Is that it? I, was Citadel and then some name? Yeah, Manicor. Um, but they, yeah, it's just oh. I. I, I I get I can't yeah I I really was disappointed by this one like by I, I thought you know maybe they were gonna change it up and the thing is it's not like 
it's not like they changed directors a lot. It was the same director pretty much all the way through. Um, I think three and four, he had, it was an assistant director or the co-director, but yeah, I was just like, God, these last two episodes were just, yeah, as I said, phoned in on a soggy napkin. You could tell no one had, no one's heart was in it. They're like, fuck it, let's get this next season. Which is so weird too. Like you would think with the Russo Bros and with this being their production company after yeah. working with Marvel that they would have really nailed yeah. it. But yeah, it just it it just felt <sighs> yeah. So I just saw uh let's see, in March 2023 it was renewed for a second season. So they already knew they were the second season was was on on the way. So yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, I I after the first episode, I was like, this this might be really cool, you know, and and they totally, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldiered it. Just as it went on, they just right to the end and then ah, giant dump on the bed. Let's, let's pull an Amber Heard. At the end, it says Citadel Diana. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. And uh, yeah, it makes me sad because the spy genre is one of my favorite. The spy and thriller and all that now, kind of stuff. Staying with the spy thriller thing, um, I did start on Netflix the series Fubar with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, um, he's I haven't even heard of that. He is a retiring CIA high end operative who finishes his last mission. He's been working under the cover of he had, like he's part of a fitness store and he travels around the world. Turns out he's a you know, top CIA guy. And they're like, oh, you've got to get back in the field for one last mission. Someone from your previous missions, you know, his son and blah, blah, blah. And he goes there and finds out his daughter is also a CIA operative, basically the same job. They didn't know that each other worked for the CIA. They had the same handler who couldn't tell the other that, Oh no, your daughter working or your dad's working. So they meet on assignment and it's called FUBAR for a reason. Um, Cause yeah, shit goes downhill fast. Um, you know, cause he thinks his daughter is this very, you know, nice and prim, you know, wouldn't say shit if her mouth was full of it. And Oh, oh she hurt her shoulder. Um, cause she, you know, got into an accident or she accident while rollerblading or something. Turns out she has a trick shoulder. She can pop in and out of socket. Um, from fighting and in, in, you know fighting rings um and she's going to this this other country to like get water like you know provide water or aqueducts or whatnot and when schwarzenegger's character luke shows up there's his daughter cigarette hanging out of her mouth beating the crap out of this guy and then has to have her shoulder popped into place and you know constantly swearing like a trucker and he's like, who who are you? You're not my daughter. My daughter doesn't swear. My daughter doesn't fight. My daughter doesn't smoke or drink. And he picks up and he's like going through in her little cabin. He's like, well, you know, where'd you get this gun? And what's this? And he picks up lipstick and starts vibrating. He's like, what's this? And she's like, oh my God, dad, put that down. And, and then he realizes what it is. And then it goes off again. And yeah, it's a lot more funnier than you'd think it was. And it is such a great show. This this is well-written spycraft because the two of them are now being forced to work together. At the same time, keep mom, who's they like the, the, the main Luke Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Luke, has divorced the mom because he was never around. Well, of course he was never around. And the daughter's like, Well, now I know why you weren't around because you were working for the CIA. And his his handler's like, Well, we had to hire your daughter because when you, we tested her, her like scores were 
through the roof, better than yours when you were first hired. So the CIA was like, you know, gung ho to hire her. So we did and we trained her and now she's one of our top agents. And yeah, it's, it's fun. How many episodes? Uh, eight episodes right now on Netflix. How far into it are you? I'm two episodes in, which is the first main, um, uh, the first main case together where they learn of each other. Okay. Uh, the first episode is called "Take Your Daughter to Work Day." Um, yeah, and uh, it's it is fun. I don't know if they're they're going to be doing a second season. I really hope they do because this has been fun. I know a lot of people say that. Um, I think it was like Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a 51% rating saying that with jokes that fall flat and a story that borrows liberally from his earlier career, um, it's just merely okay. I thought it was fun. It was like, honestly, um, like watching Last Action Hero. I know a lot of okay. people didn't get Last Action Hero. They're like, well, you know, why is he not being like like he was in Commando or, or you know, all the other 80s action flicks because he was kind of mocking them in a way. This, in a way, also mocks the his earlier career as an action star because he's much older. He's retiring. It's fun. It's like la watching Last Action Hero as a, as an almost like an episodic series in a way where he's kind of making fun of the whole, you know, true lies and commando and all that sort of lifestyle. Now he's legitimately wants to retire and, and grow a garden and do all that sort of stuff and then gets pulled back into it because now he feels he's obligated to help his daughter and. Yeah, it's fun. I had a I had a great time at least the first two episodes. Yeah, I have to check that out. And that I mean that one completely came in under the radar. I didn't even realize what it was. It was like, oh, Fubar, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I first thought it was going to be like him riffing on his old movies, like almost like a commentary and inside look. And it's like, no, it's an actual series. And I was like, oh, okay, well, sure, let's see it. And yeah, first episode had me going. This is pretty good. Sex episode, like, all right, let's keep let's keep trucking. Yeah. Boobar. I got more, so but I'm gonna pass the ball back to you. I haven't really been watching anything else. Uh as far as the news though, um Final Fantasy. Have you heard all these accusations that there's not enough diversity in the new video game? No. It's interesting so articles have been coming out with that because i guess this new storyline takes place in an old medieval europe so it's a landlocked island where it's all just european characters mm -hmm. and so the creators are under attack from the woke crowd that the game doesn't have enough diversity which is hilarious because it's a japanese creator and doing a historically accurate game piece so that's something that's been coming up. I, it's funny where you have creators coming up with a vision and getting accused of this kind of you know, racism. And <laughs> anyways, that is an article that amused me. It kind of makes me want to see the actual game. Um, Kind of going on that being, I just watched a thing where this, um, so this girl who I, I, I don't on Twitter, she got some traction talking about how um, she's fine with the casting of the live action Little Little Mermaid that just came out, um, but now she's pissed that they've announced the casting of the live action Lilo and Stitch movie, and that the girl that they've, um, uh, I think it's either the older sister character or Lilo, isn't black enough. 
and I did her, hear that. And she's saying it's because the skin color tone from the from the animation is darker than the the woman they've chosen, who is a native Hawaiian. Um, and it was funny because it was a reaction video that I saw. This guy was like, um, and it's, it's, this guy was like big, big black guy, really deep voice. It was almost hard to hear him. His voice was so deep, but he's like, you're saying she's not black enough, but she is white. You do realize that Hawaiians aren't black. They're Polynesian. There's, they have a wide variety of skin tones. Um, they have a wide variety of, of hair color. You can get blonde Polynesians. It it happens. Um, and then he said, but let's go back to your earlier comment where you're fine with the Little Mermaid, Ariel, being black because she's a fictional character. He's like, well, here's, here's news. So is Lilo and Stitch. They're fictional characters too. Um, and if we really want to dig down to it, um, Ariel was written by Hans Christian Andersen as a little white girl mermaid because at the time and he's white and it's from like the Netherlands, Amsterdam, that sort of area. So he's like, it would make sense that she's white. Now, the fact that Disney's made her black for this movie doesn't matter because, Oh, she's a mermaid, it's a fictional character. That's fine. But now you're getting all pissed off that Lilo or Nane is, is not black enough. They're fictional too. So you, you, you not only do you, and they cast a Hawaiian it's yeah, not he, like so they like, so went off and cast something. Imagine you're on a stool and you take one leg off. So now you got three three legs, and now you just take another leg. Now you're balancing on on two, and you've just taken the last leg away. So you've got you're balancing on one, and then you're saying, "Oh, but you've given me too many legs. You're on your last one, girl." So yeah, it was just it, his commentary on hers was spot on. Again, his voice was so deep, I had to cut all the bass out of my speakers. <laughs> Because his voice was so deep. It was like my my subwoofer was just going crazy and rattling the whole desk. Um, but yeah, his, I mean, his points were just perfect. And to me, this is when diversity in casting is going crazy or people's imagining of diversity of casting. It'd be like, oh, you, you hired a, a Chinese guy to be Shang-Chi, but he's not Chinese enough. How much more Chinese does he need to be? Is, is there like a, a meter or a scale that you're, that you're working from? Like, is there like a, you know, paint by numbers thing? That, like, I don't understand. I mean, it's a, I mean, Disney's basically full on remaking every animated film as a live action film. They've, they've committed to that. It pisses me off to no end, but screw it. You know, and this is coming from the people who think James Bond should be Idris Elba or a woman. Like, no, James Bond is a very specific character. And, these same people are speaking of the little mermaid are the ones saying how the movie didn't do enough to address slavery. It's like, Whoa, you already race swapped the whole thing. You moved it to the Caribbean and now you're complaining. It's like, this is going so far off the rails that it's just ridiculous. And, and I've, I've heard um, like, I haven't seen the, the movie yet, but I've heard there's been enough changes to the, the story that people are like, you know, the animated film has the whole thing where Eric kills Ursula, he stabs her with the boat, um, and they don't do that. So now um, Ariel is the one that kills Ursula, not Eric. Yeah. Eric's not even a prince. He's adopted. He's not right. even blood. So he's adopted. So 
the whole thing that oh well she'll now be the princess but he's really not even a prince at the, for that matter it, yeah they just and apparently she doesn't even really have a crush on him uh, no from what i hear gonna i'm not gonna watch this movie i'm just listening to commentary yeah but it, the whole song you know kiss the girl that suddenly becomes really creepy when she's not even interested mm-hmm. like what the hell and did yeah. you hear that song that yeah yeah oh. I just, I'm, I'm like, if you're going to change the film that much, make a whole different movie. Yeah. Like, just rat and then say, hey, we're redoing Little Mermaid. Like, hey, we're doing a, a movie about mermaids. There I still go. think what we were talking about a few podcasts ago, if you're going to do these live action remakes, go back to the source material and yeah. actually tell the proper story the way the author intended it. Yeah, tell that the would be story. a crazy, creepy way. Because like, you have the Disneyfied version. Now, guess what, kids? No, now that you're adults, yeah, this is the way it really went. Yeah, because the original Little Mermaid, written by Hand Christian, is not a happy tale. Um, yeah, because like she dies, and her body gets dissolved into foam, and yeah, it becomes sea foam. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not all the happy. Ooh, everyone's good. Let's sing some songs. You know, yeah. So I saw that one, and uh, um. Yeah. Now I'm going to go to a happy note, by the way. Um, so I just saw a thing of um, it was a, an article talking about what like Peacock and Disney and Hulu and HBO and all these different companies are releasing out during the summer. And one that's really stood out to me was Nimoa or Nimona, Nimona, that's it, um, which was originally a film being done by Blue Sky, but then Disney bought them and dissolved the studio because that's what Disney does. Um, and it got picked up by a different studio, Anapuma Pictures, who have revived it. And a classmate of ours, Troy Quain, is one of the directors on it. And it comes out June 30th. And so I was reading this thing, and there was a lot of pushback by the Disney executives not to finish the film after they acquired Blue Sky, because it does have very strong LGBT, because uh, it's it's based off of the um the graphic novel of the same name and there's this whole scene where the the main hero protagonist reveals that he's actually in love with the champion the the night the night champion and they have a whole i love you moment to each other and disney was like no no we can't have that it's like um you do realize that the main male hero is gay he is that's part of the whole character you can't change that. And I guess Disney was like, well, we have to change that because we're Disney. We can't do gay. And so, yeah. So I like the fact that this other studio has picked it up, finished it off. I guess the animation style looks really great. I saw a quick trailer for it. Um, this is going oh, to Netflix? It's Netflix on June 30th. And it's all about this this teenager. Um, she has the power to shapeshift and she's targeted by knights for assassination because she turns into a dragon at one point. And so this one knight gets the, the mission to kill her, but it becomes complicated when he's accused of a crime and only she is going to be the able one to exonerate him and prove that he didn't do it. So if he goes through with his mission and kills her, he's he's guilty of this crime. Like he's he's going to be, you know, put to prison or put to death. But if he keeps her alive so she can clear his name, then it'd be kind of suck to then turn around and kill her so yeah um, do you read the comics at all 
Um, I didn't read the comics, but now I, I really want to. Because um, it seems like a very interesting story. And yeah, so... I'm just bringing up images. Very simple. It's very stylized. It feels yeah. very much like uh, Arcane. Like that kind of somewhat graphic animation style. Um, and initially I was like... it Because the, in the trailer, it's like very cut and pasty. And I'm like, ugh. And then it suddenly cuts to the actual animation style. I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And it looks pretty good. So, yeah, I got a lot of Arcane vibes from it. And I loved the style of Arcane. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. And, yeah, it was today I found out that it's coming out in on June June 30th on Netflix. So I'm definitely going to have to give that one a watch. Shall I keep the ball rolling? Yeah, keep it going. All right. So my wife and I on Peacock watched Cocaine Bear. That's it's kind of like so there was a real story of in 1985. There's a drug smuggler named Andrew C. Thornton, the second or third second. Um, And he dropped an enormous load of cocaine that he was smuggling into the U.S. in the the like. There's a national forest. I can't even say. I think it's Knoxville, Tennessee. Anyway, he dumped a bunch of cocaine and then he himself parachuted, but his chute failed to open and he died on impact. And the real story is a bear, black bear came along, ate a bunch of cocaine and died. And that was the end of the story. And the the actual bear is on display as the cocaine bear. Well, they took the story and kind of did a hard right-hand turn where the bear survives and gets addicted to cocaine and becomes incredibly violent. That's the movie. And it is so goddamn funny to watch because these people in this area are the luckless bastards who like, so you have like the guy who owned, who owned that shipment um, or who's the person who was providing transport for that shipment needs to get the cocaine back. So he sends uh, his son, or I think it's his son and this other guy and his son's gotten out of the business because his wife died and you you basically you guys go get that and then there's like a park ranger and there's some kids who are playing hooky from school because the one daughter wants to like paint the waterfalls and you got the 80s mom uh, played by uh, Carrie Russell and she's searching the woods looking for her kids and then you got a bunch of like gangbangers who hang around the, the ranger station and try to hold people up at knife point to like rob them and uh, and they get the shit kicked out of them by the gangsters and it's just constant carnage constant fucking carnage with this bear because second he it smells cocaine on someone it goes after them because it wants more cocaine like at one point it jumps off a tree runs across and like scales a tree in like a heartbeat to get the guy who's got like cocaine because he fell into a into a pack of cocaine and it's all over him and the bear's sniffing it and smells them and run it's hilarious um and i'm not going to spoil the ending but it's it's this is i think one of ray liotta's last films before he passed away he's the main drug boss um it, it was just a fun watch fun movie to watch it really was because it's such a, a dumb premise and concept and it's really a movie that you're just like I'm not thinking too hard. I'm just eating my popcorn and watching this bear maul a bunch of a bunch of idiots. 
And some of the ways that people die is hilarious. Like there's this whole scene with an ambulance and the bear gets inside the ambulance and mayhem ensues. And the girl, this woman gets like flipped over on the, the gurney and road rash to death. And yeah, so definitely a fun watch. Like a Sharknado. So, yeah. I only have a couple of more, so I'm going to have you jump in and, and say some stuff about something, unless you want me to keep going. Yeah, I really don't have much else. Mike, I'm so disappointed. Yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks. I guess so. Yeah, I can see how that goes. All right, so I also uh, came on it came on Disney Plus, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Um, so I didn't see this one in theaters, and I have to say I'm glad I didn't. This was terrible. It really was. Um, and I mean, the story could have worked. This was basically the big film introduction of Kang and how powerful Kang is. But I think it was severely marred by having MODOK in there. And MODOK, for those who don't remember, um, in this film, MODOK is played by, let me find his name quickly, um, Kate Carey who Yeah, Yellow Jacket, who was Darren Cross in the first Ant-Man film. Well, I guess when he got shrunk down, he arrived and his body was much smaller than his head and Kang was able to revive him and stick him in this bodysuit. So now he's MODOK, which is the, God, what is it called again? Uh, MODOK, MODOK, something only for killing, something stupid like that. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, I'm just trying to get that. Okay. Uh, mechanized organism designed only for killing which would be more like modoff because where's the f for killing anyway so they stick darren cross in as, as modok and when this the thing opens up in the face it's very bad texture map of his face kind of wrapped into there it looks honestly like 2005 level graphics like like playstation one graphics it is that fucking terrible. Maybe PlayStation 2 level graphics. And every time it's it's on screen, you're just like, oh, God. Can you just like put your thumb over that fucking travesty on the screen so you can ignore it? So it's not it? as good as the Patton Oswalt Hulu mode? Oh, God, no. Not even close. Like, it just... It was unnecessary. But they kind of, hey, let's throw in the kitchen fucking sink in here. Um, and... And as far as I know, Modoc had nothing to do with Quantum Realm in the not a goddamn books. thing, not not a single like one. It was all aim. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got this whole thing is basically establishing Kang the Conqueror, who is going to be the big bad for the next arc of MCU films. And now is he after everything that happened with Jonathan Majors? We'll I don't see know how that pans out. Yeah, we'll see how that pans out or if they just replace him. But it's. They have, they have this whole scene at the end where it's the Council of Kangs, and you have like Immortus and Ramatut and Centurion and Victor Timely, who's going to be in the next Loki series season. Um, because Kang has multiple dimensional versions of himself, all of them with different goals. Like they don't all have the same goal, or they have a similar goal, but realize to get my goal, you have to die, sort of thing. So he's actively always killing off other versions of himself or allying himself with another version of himself only to stab them and himself in the back. It's sometimes confusing. Um, but yeah, I just, 
this this film was just it was painful to watch um there's a couple of good ideas here and there but a lot of not so great ideas and yeah i wasn't and the other thing is the ex-con um that company he was part of with with the whole group who've been in the first and second ant-man film nowhere to be found not a single one and we missed having that kind of day-to-day life high-speed banter that they would get that was missing from this film they could have had it at the start before they go into the quantum realm or have them at the end when they show back up but we didn't get that and that's one reason that why originally like if you asked me a year ago this was the movie i was looking forward to the most because ant-man the movies have always been very grounded in reality and so, they've been fun to watch and you know just gonna quickly so for our, for our viewers i'm holding up the XCon badge which i had gotten a while back and like a nice little iron-on patch on the thing and they helped ant-man 1 and ant-man 2 a lot it was always a nice little counterpoint when they jumped to the the guys from XCon. And then the fact that Ant-Man was the one who basically saved the universe in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't for him, you know, it would have just been business as usual. Yeah. So that's a perfect opportunity for that character, for a nice grounded in reality thing to fire off this whole quantum realm, Kang, alternate realities. But that's one thing that, they, well, Kevin Feige really screwed up on for this series is nothing held together. You have Loki with the TVA mm-hmm. and then you have Doctor Strange and then you have this all dealing with this weird kind of multiverse, quantum realm, all this kind of stuff, but it's not cohesive. It doesn't make any sense. No. It's it's It just feels like it's all over the place. Um, and the whole thing is this. So the story is Janet, when she was trapped in the quantum realm, hooked up with Kang in more ways than one. Um, and built this this quantum power source that he needed. And because initially he was like crashes and she comes and rescues him and nurses him back to health and helps him rebuild this quantum power soul. And then finds out, oh, um, his other selves trapped him in the quantum realm with a, a broken power cell to keep him there because he was the worst of the worst. Um, so she ends up using her shrinking powers and or enlarging powers. And she basically makes it so he can't use this power source and he ends up building a city around it and yada, yada, yada. And then she hooks up with Bill Murray's character. Um, And yeah, it just, it, it just, it fell apart fast and just got worse. There were some interesting characters in the quantum realm, but not enough to save the story. Really not enough. Um, I was, so like just solely disappointed by this this film like just this was terrible just fucking terrible i'm glad i didn't see it and i have no intention to watch it It, it's honestly it's like watching a car accident in slow motion you don't want to watch but you won't turn away if it's on because you just want to see how bad it can get so where is it rank in the worst films of mcu history um See, this is the problem is the effects for the most part are garbage. Like just terrible compositing. Like like 
they didn't adjust the contrast level. So you got definite like characters on green screen, just sloppily composited on top. And you're like, you could have taken two seconds with the levels and kind of match the black. So it looks like that character was part of that. You've got MODOK. I mean, that's all you really need to say, MODOK. Um, so the the level of effects wasn't even television level, like not even that good. Um, the story was pretty pathetic, maybe a, a hair or two better than Black Widow, but not enough to write home about. I mean, I would probably put this film in the the bottom five of the MCU. Like it was bad. It was like Thor, Thor Dark World bad. Um, yeah, I would definitely put this in in that level. Like, was I just this was a hundred percent so much wasted potential, just so that they could crank a movie out and introduce their their next big bad. But and that's the shame of the whole thing is because nobody cares. Yeah, this they, is they, supposed to kick off what phase five and the new big bad, and nobody cares. Well, it's not only. They kicked off the big bad, and then they kicked his ass. I mean, if Ant-Man can kick his ass, are really anyone else going to have a, that much difficulty kicking his I mean, Ant-Man can grow and shrink. That's his whole power set. And communicate with ants. Yeah. But, but honestly, like, any of the other Marvel superheroes are not going to have much difficulty with them. I think they should have made him more untouchable and Ant-Man more escapes from him than defeats him. You know, the whole, like, he's escaping back out of the quantum realm and Kang shaking his fist saying, you haven't seen the last of me. Not, you've beaten me, you've broken me, you destroyed my my power and my toys. Uh, you know, he sh- Ant-Man should not have stood a chance one-on-one against Kang at all. I mean, that should have been right from the get-go, after you get by his army and when you go one-on-one with him, he has no problems wiping the walls with it. Kind of like Thanos one-on-one versus Hulk on, on Thor's ship there. Thanos had no... He wasn't even using the Power Stone to you know punch up his, his powers. That was just pure Thanos kicking the Hulk's ass. That's what he... Like, Kang should have been doing to Ant-Man and not like, ooh, a little trick play and we we, we, we beat you. It's not like, no we got to escape because we can't face you like this. We can't one-on-one. We th- Even with our small little team, we cannot defeat you. We got to just escape. So they come back out to the real world and they're like, we escaped with our lives, but he's still out there. You know, it, that's a threat that's still coming. That's how you build a big bad. Not like, hey, I meet you and I kicked your ass and I broke your toys. Ha ha. And I'm going and The other thing that this introduces, which is a huge problem with story is the fact there's the multiverse kings so oh maybe we beat this guy but then there's another one but that means there's no stakes because you know it doesn't matter what you do there's always going to be another one it's just going to keep popping up and it's sort of like agent smith in the second matrix Mm -hmm. because there's just too many of them and it just doesn't matter anymore Right, yeah. It's a copies of copies of copies. It's like, I'm not even that interested. Now, Ultron was always a different story because Ultron would come back leveled up. It would be like yeah. Ultron version 4, Ultron version 5. Like He keeps regenerating as a new, more powerful character. 
Exactly. But this is just infinite multiverses of kings. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I, it should have, I, again, it should have been Ant-Man and crew not triumphantly returning home, but more of they defeat Kang and then you have like a rip in the multiverse and outstep some more different versions of Kang. And then you realize, oh, we beat one, but can we beat a thousand? Can we beat a hundred thousand? Can we beat 10 million? And we have to just get out of here. We, we're we not like, you know, celebratory. Hey, we get to go home because we won. It's more like we got to get the fuck out of here because we're about to die if we don't. That's how you set up a big bad. Not we beat him. Ooh, maybe he's got some friends, but ah, it's all good. It's yeah, there's no there's no stakes, there's no threat. Thanos was the threat from the Avengers on. Yeah, we just saw him sitting in his chair and he looks over his shoulder and he was for the most part unseen presence. He would be referred to, or the villain would be like subservient to him, but he really didn't get off his ass and show up until Infinity in the Infinity War. And then, but they had built so much up him of of him. By the time we saw him in Infinity War, we're like, "Oh shit!" And the first thing he does is he physically beats the Hulk. Yep, and, and then, then kills Loki. Kills Loki, beats the hell out of the Hulk, and you're like, "Oh!" And then, you know, kills uh, uh what's his face? Um, Heimdall. Guy. Yeah, Heimdall. That's it. And then you're like, "Oh, this is a guy to be reckoned with. This is someone that." A single Avengers, not, I mean, your strongest Avenger just got his ass handed to him. Hulk, yeah. like, Thor got his ass handed to him. So you're like, okay, uh, he's a, a credible threat. But Ant-Man beat Kang. How how big of a threat can he be? I mean, if Ant-Man could beat one, Thor could beat, beat what? Like 10,000 with a swing of, of, of Stormbreaker? Throw even Professor Hulk in there and that's, that's another, what, 90,000 down? There's no, there's no level of threat. There's no credible threat that you're going to be like, ooh, are they going to win? Are they going to lose? Yeah. So, and the other big problem is Kang's supposed to be a descendant of Reed Richards. Yeah. And the fact they haven't even introduced the Fantastic Four yet, and this is a big problem Marvel's had with all this cinematic stuff. It's like introducing Adam Warlock after the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of supposed to be a main part. Yeah, in fact, he yeah. would have been a good part instead of Captain Marvel as a person who comes in at the end. And yeah, there's 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 a lot of little things like they're pitting the villains against the wrong heroes. You know the the canon villain for this hero, and he doesn't show up, and then the canon villain shows up, but that hero's already gone, long gone. And you're like, well, then what? Who? Why are you showing up? It's, it, it'd be like you know. Suddenly Green Goblin shows up and Spider-Man's dead. And you're like, um, what are you doing, bud? And He's going to fight Miss Marvel. Um, okay, I guess. Yeah, and there's, it's like, no, I think you just need to go retire your uniform and go work at 7-Eleven or something because we don't need you here. Um, but yeah, so I think that's the problem right now the MC is struggling under is they're trying to bring out, it'd be like you know them introducing Silver Surfer and Galactus, but no Fantastic Four. Then what's the point? What's 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 the point? So yeah. So that was Ant Man and the the Wasp Quantumania, which yeah, circled the drain on that one. Have you Still seen Guardians to... three yet? I have not seen Guardians three yet. No, I've heard it is very much a big tearjerker, 
and James Gunn saying, see you folks. I'm going to go work on the DCU for a while. Um, he didn't get to be able to slip in uh, the word fuck. So everyone's been like, oh no, swearing in the MCU language. So yeah, I think it's, it's the second she said fuck, they should have had like almost like an in Mortal Kombat where the guy sticks his head out suddenly goes like toasty. Should be like language with the, you know, Captain America language. But, you know, not my movie. Uh, yeah, so I, at some point I'll see it. I know it's going to come on to Disney+. Plus. I'm not rushing to go out and see it right this moment. Um, I got too much other stuff on my plate to to go do that. Um, but one more Disney Plus thing, and then we'll talk about the, the spider in the room. Um, so my wife watched Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. It was on uh, ABC or something like that. I don't know Did why. Did it get any better? I want to. I want to say yes, but I'd be lying. Um, yeah, I think again, the Mandarin was terribly handled in that film. Um, but anyway, so they kept playing commercials for a Disney Plus show called American Born Chinese, um, and it is based off a uh, a manga or a graphic novel written back in like the early 2000s um and it's about this kid who's you know this uh a high schooler 10th grader who is he's struggling to fit in with his peers and he's lost his best friend and he's tasked with showing a new foreign exchange student uh wei chen um who's actually the son of the monkey king or like the, the sorry the emperor like the the jade emperor and he has stolen the staff of the monkey king from the heavens and has come to earth because there's a fourth prophecy regarding the staff. The staff is the only thing that the, the Jade Emperor can use to defeat this, basically this giant big bag, bad, big bad that's coming to destroy everything. Um, so the emperor needs that staff, but his son is taken because he's like, there's more power to the staff than you know, there was like a fourth um, prophecy written about it. And they're like, no, there's only three. And he's like, no, there's four. I know there is. And it's a pretty good cast, actually. But it's an interesting enough show um, and enough uh, mythology assigned with it that it kind of makes it fun to watch. Because your main your main hero character is by no means a hero. He's not like the super kung fu god. He's just this normal kid with parents who are arguing over, you know, their dad's job and whatnot. It's, I mean, the... The martial arts god basically is this guy's friend exchange student um, who has the monkey staff, monkey king staff, and is trying to hide it from other people who are trying to take the staff because he's trying to find the the prophecy associated with it. And yeah, um, it's it's a fun show. It, it's honestly been really fun. It's I think it's eight episodes, um, but yeah, it's and it's well done. It's got Michelle Yeoh in it. She's uh um with the goddess of mercy uh guan yin um so yeah it was it was fun to watch i haven't finished it all off i'm six out of eight episodes in but it's fun it's really really fun so yeah i'm just watching the trailer it looks interesting yeah it's it really is it's 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 kind of it's really kind of cool the way that they they blended the mythology in um, it makes it very approachable, but also very understandable. You're not like, who's that now? And who's this guy? 
And what about that boy? Um, you, you, it's following the characters very easy. Following the mythology is very easy. And yeah, it's it's. I think it's one of Disney Plus's best shows, um, other than Bluey, um, because you can't be Bluey. You really can't. If you haven't seen Bluey, do yourself a favor and see at least a couple episodes of Bluey. You'll it'll change your life for the better. It really will. And it'll make you look at asparagus completely differently. So, yeah. Now I think I'm going to address the spider in the room. So this past weekend um, came out the sequel, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I remember Into the Spider-Verse dropped a lot of jaws when people first saw it the animation style the the layering of cg and hand drawn on top of each other the very frenetic comic book style um it was an eye opener about what you can do in animation and i had a great time with that first movie watched it many times i own it on on blu-ray um so when they announced this movie across the spider-verse i was like "Ooh, this sounds like it's gonna be pretty good haven't seen it yet but i have there's a couple things. Number one, this is the longest animated film ever produced by an American studio. It is two hours, 20 minutes, 140 minutes. Yeah, two hours, 20 minutes. So it's a long one. Um, but the biggest concern I've heard about it is much like Dune, it's half a story. They, you know, two hours and 20 minutes, and they couldn't tell the whole story. They kind of lop it at a cliffhanger. And then like, hey, we're going to pick it up later. Um, and even worse, uh, according to the reviews I've listened to, people at least said Dune, at least they ended it at a point where there's a little bit of closure. It's mm -hmm. like there's this big action sequence and that part's done. And then we'll pick it up later. This one is just like a hard cut. Yeah, it's just like stuff's and, happening and credits. Screen black. And you're like, but what? So... Yeah. Um, the other thing I've I've heard that's so some of this is coming off of the original comic book series. Um, a lot of it deals with the the main bad guys, Spider-Man 2099, uh, Miguel. I can't think of his name now. I think it's O'Hare, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. It's played by uh uh Oscar Isaac. Yeah, Miguel O'Hara, that's it. So Spider-Man 2099. So for those of you who don't know, way back when Marvel played around with this whole future series, of the 2099 series, there was Thor 2099, Spider-Man 2099, um, it basically far-flung 100 years in the future sort of thing where completely different world. Anyway, um, Oscar Isaac is playing uh, Miguel O'Hara, the the. the Time of character of Spider-Man 2099, who is head of the Spider Society, a group of spider people from alternate universes tasked with protecting the multiverse. Um, and the whole idea is he was inspired by tales of the during the heroic age of the original Spider-Man. Through an accident at the lab, got spider-like powers, and yada yada yada. Um but in this film, because he's part of the spider system, basically the head of the spider society, 
he determines that there are canon events in every Spider-Man's life that have to happen, like the death of Uncle Ben or the death of the the father figure um, for whichever Spider-Man, woman, child there is. You have to have a death of a father figure. That's a canon event. Without that canon event, it dooms that particular universe and then the repercussions can affect other universes and so on and so forth. But to me, it all comes down to who the fuck said he should be leading this society. He's not the original Spider-Man. Find Peter Parker. He's the original Spider-Man. Not this Miguel O'Hara. Fuck him. So when in this whole movie, it's a case of, you know, Miles Morales shows up. And, you know, Miguel's like, well, you're not a real Spider-Man. Well, guess he is. Um, and then he finds out, well, part of this canon event means his dad is going to have to die. And he's like, I don't want my dad to die. And he's like, well, you have to let your dad die because it's a canon event and blah, blah, blah. And I'm Miguel O'Hara and I'm Spider-Man 29. So fuck you. And it's, again, you're dealing with someone who's just got an overblown ego. If you've got these thousands of other Spider-Men, and at one point he's like, tells all the other Spider-Man, go get Miles Morales, even though there are other Miles Moraleses in this universe. Like there's the one from the Insomniac game. That Miles Morales is in this movie, as well as the, the, the Peter Parker from that game. They're, I mean, they pulled Spider-Mans from every iteration they could find. But the problem I have, even from the trailer, is, you know, Spider-Man 2099, not a Peter Parker, is the one barking the orders if I was a Peter Parker from whichever fucking multiverse it came from, this guy starts barking orders. I'd put my fist right through his head, grab his spine, jerk it out and beat the body to death with the spinal cord. Fuck you. You're not a real Spider-Man. You're not an original Spider-Man. Stop giving orders. Along those lines, this is the problem I have with the movie to begin with, even with the Miles Morales character is I want Spider-Man to be unique and original and his own character. I'm so sick of all these knockoff characters, all these dollar store versions of the original. I I just don't care. Now, Dan Slott, when he was writing Spider-Man, I guess he's writing it again, but, you know, back in the day when he was doing all this, like, Spider Island and all this other kind of stuff, he was kind of expanding the universe. He got a lot of flack for it, and I thought, well, at least he's trying to do something new. But now he's introducing a spider boy and all this thing. Enough yeah. of the spiders. I'm just tired of all the spiders. Well, the other thing is they say is that the, so the, the spider that bit Miles Morales in the first movie was a spider from a different multiverse that somehow hopped universes and bit him. So he was supposed that spider was supposed to bite the Peter Parker from that universe who had already died. And so I guess at some point, Miles somehow leaps into that universe where um, you know, his dad isn't dead, or no, his dad's already dead, and his his, his mom and, and what anyways, it's like that's the whole reasoning is well, you're not the right when you know Miguel's like you're not a real Spider-Man because the spider that bit you came from a different dimension. It doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't. Um, because in, in Miles universe, his Peter Parker died fighting Kingpin. That's what we we established in the first movie. And he said, you know, Miles, you gotta take over, you gotta take over the mantle of the spider and he, people still need protection. Now he f- hooks up with Richard B. Parker who trains him and who had then has to go back to his own universe and blah, blah, blah. I'm just still pissed at this whole Miguel O'Hara going, well, 
I'm since I'm from the future, I'm I'm the only Spider-Man who can lead the rest of you. Well, fuck you. You're not even Peter Parker. Sit, you haven't been, sit, even been born yet, yeah. buddy. Sit the fuck down, shut up, and let the real Peter Parkers deal with this. That's the part that that just really chaps my ass. Is you know you have this knockoff like knockoff Spider-Man from a failed 2099 experiment that Marvel has distanced himself from. They're they're like ah, fuck. It was a terrible idea to begin with. Now he's in charge. I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. There's got to be another Peter Parker out there who says, you know, full stop, fuck you, you're dead. Go back to your 2099 bullshit or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, so when I found out more and more that he was the basically the big bad of all this, I, I know the vulture and the the prowler and it, but it's basically he's the big bad. I, I was just a little less inclined. I still want to see it because I really love that animation style. But when I also found out that it's half a movie, um, that to me, that's just like, you know, if you can't write a whole complete fucking movie to take place in two hours and 20 minutes, go back to writer school or something. Cause wow. If you feel the story is that big that you have to cut it in half to make two movies, you can make a shorter movie, a shorter story that fits the first movie and have hooks to the third movie, which is the whole arc. Not we have this giant arc. We're going to cut it in the middle, like a like chopping a rainbow in half. And you're going to have to wait a couple more years for us to figure out the rest of the rainbow and the pot of gold at the end. That's just to me, it's lazy, lazy fucking writing it really is. So, yeah, I agree. It should have an end arc. Empire Strikes Back. It finishes the story. It's a cliffhanger. The good guys lose. Mm-hmm. You know, something's going to happen, but there's closure. There is. There is closure. And right. Infinity War. There's closure. Like there's mm-hmm. the snap. Thanos wins. Like that's his story arc. That yeah. part of the story is done. So you can do that. You can have a two parter. And again, yeah. going back to Dune. You know, they cut the book in half right there and gave us a movie. We didn't get the book ending, but it was a fairly satisfying. Yeah, endpoint. and and we're going to get the book ending at the end of this year anyway when Dune Part Two comes out. But as far as Spider-Man goes, I was never a huge fan of the original, like, Into the Multiverse. Just for all those reasons of just these knockoff dollar store Spider-Man characters. I didn't like the way the original Peter Parker was portrayed in it. I love the animation style. Like, it was a visual feast just watching that as an animator. It's like when they were escaping from from Doc Ock's little thing, and they throw the bagel, and when it hits the guy in the head... Instead of having pow or something, it says bagel above his head. I mean, it was little touches like that that brought you into like you're watching a moving comic book. Yeah. And um, that it was fun to watch, but I didn't like the movie. I just wasn't a fan. So when this one was coming out, I'm like, meh. And the more <laughs> I hear about it, I'm like, meh. And, you know, yeah. Less I'm and less interested. I'm going to watch Be interested it. to see what Troy thought of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it for the animation style. But I'm probably not going to be happy with the story, um, and I'm I'm already not happy with the fact that they end it on a quasi cliffhanger because they couldn't figure out how to shoehorn a, a complete story into two hours and twenty minutes. Like, and I'm hearing it from the reviews that the characters aren't even in the right spots. Like, you know, the I guess the what's his name Miles Morales is. Not even apparently 
around at the end. It's just like yeah. he's in a different location, and then it's just end credits. It's no yeah. resolution. So yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not spending my money. <laughs> As I said, it, to me, it's 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 lazy writing. Which is just like, hey, we got the script. Tear it in half. This will be part one. This will be part two, and we're good. It's like no, no. It, t- it takes a little bit of rewriting to make it a complete film. Part one should be a complete film. Part two should be a complete film. But they shouldn't. You shouldn't have to have one directly into the other to say, hey, full story, two pieces. Yeah. So again, to me, that's just really lazy fucking writing, and that's as I said, you can all the visuals in the world can't be saved by a terrible story. They can't save a terrible story. It's just you've got to start with good writing first, then build from there. Because when you get terrible writing and terrible effects, man, um, you get a horrible fucking Quantumania movie. Um, so yeah, um, and I'm at the point where I just want to see the heroes done the way they're supposed to be. Like the comic book style. I, I still haven't seen Batman in the movie. Uh, yeah. I would like to see Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the way it should be done. The closest I've seen to, to Batman, as I would see him in the comic books, is the animated series. It really is. That's... Yeah, that and the Dead End series where he went face-to-face with Predator. That yeah. I mean, well, that was... Wearing a proper costume. Little and... fan film. But yeah, it just... Again, it just feels like the fan films are overtaking the the, the giant productions in not only in look but in story. And it's like, guys, why why do you keep hiring the same you know seven jackoffs to do these things terribly? Go grab a you know one of these one of these you know fanfic guys that do it well these these, these fan films and give them a budget to to actually do it do it right. Let's see what they can come up with. You'll have the Batman with a completely white eyes and stuff like that. Although yeah. I did see a funny comic of Batman taking off his cowl and Bruce Wayne's eyes are completely white. And then he takes out like these contacts and pops them in and has like an iris and a pupil. It's like, that's a, it, it was a fun little, little comic, but it was, yeah. But that was what, like a web comic or yeah. A... Yeah. Like a little web comic. You just see Batman standing in front of the mirror and he takes off this cowl and it's Bruce Wayne, but with completely white eyes. And he opens up a contact case and like pops them in and has an iris and pupil in each one. And then he kind of looks around and gets them pointing forward and they're like, Oh, okay. So nice. yeah, I, I just, I, it's one of the things I, it's still pissing me off in every Batman film is the eyes. It's just black makeup around the eye. It's just like, Oh God, we, Cosplayers have proven you can do pure white luminous eyes, just like you know in the animated series and in the, the comic books. Why do you guys keep dropping the ball and redesigning bat nipples? <sighs> yeah. I was almost excited with uh Ben Affleck Batman in the Flash because mm-hmm. I saw he had the blue and gray while he was riding the motorcycles. Like that's kind of cool, but then I saw the actual design and it's all looks like almost paintball armor yeah suit. trying to be a frank miller dark knight sort of but all yeah. straps and pads Ugh. yeah yeah it, it's oh, I, I just i can't why do they keep fucking up the costumes like why I what is understand. so hard i like do they not look do they just like 
all right, we're going to start designing because I, I can't look at any of the original source material because I don't want to be influenced. Be influenced, please. Holy Christ. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what James Gunn does with all this stuff. I think based on everything that's been happening is it's going to be his own take. It's going to be more of the same. I mean, he got Peacemaker looking yeah, you know, fairly comic book accurate. He looked but... just like he did in the comics. He really did. But um, I don't know because he's pulling from all this more modern source material that Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see a real Batman. Probably never. Now I did see a quick little blurb that uh Vin Diesel is pissed off at Jason Momoa saying that Momoa overacted in Fast X. We're talking about the same Fast and Furious series. How can you tell if someone's overacted? Honestly, how can you tell? There's a lot of underacting. I think the cars act more than the people do. But do you remember back when this whole Fast and Furious started and they were like stealing TVs and VCRs and shit like that out of the back of trucks? Now they're flying through space. Brothers and siblings are popping up left and right. And it's all about family. Everything's about family. About family, 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 family. And they've done 10 fucking films of this. That's the shocking part. 10 goddamn films. I haven't even watched one of them yet. Don't. Just don't. You'll just be sadly disappointed. It's honestly a movie that you really have to reach up your nose with that hook and yank your brain out before it starts or you're just suffering in disappointment for like however long and until until it goes to credits. And then you're, yeah, it's the only way to save yourself is yank the brain out first. Don't Is go the first the... one any good? The first one, yes, because it's a plausible idea. But from two on, it just two starts to delve into the realm of stupidity. And then by three, they're just like, let's go. And then they're into space and jumping from, from skyscraper to skyscraper. And people are dying and coming back from the dead left and right. I guess in, in Fast X, more characters come back from the dead um, because family can't stay dead. They just got to keep coming back. Um, yeah, so I'm just, oh, uh, yeah. And so when I saw that thing of like Vin Diesel's pissed off at Jason Momoa because he says he overacted, how could you tell? Momoa said Vin Diesel overacted? No, or Momoa Diesel said says Momoa. Momoa overacted. Oh, okay. Now I look at this, when he when Vin Diesel had the beef with The Rock, The Rock kind of strikes me as a, more of a guy who, you piss him off. He'll just kind of smile, let the comments slide off him. He'll he'll basically take the high road and walk away, go pump some iron or whatnot. Momoa likes to drink beer and throw axes. You get in his face, he's gonna fucking punch you. You know, it's it's he's not gonna take the high road. He's gonna take you down in the dirt and beat the shit out of you. So I think Vin Diesel's setting himself up for a beating. And honestly, this is promotional stuff. I don't know, but this is fake drama. Honestly, of the two. I think more people like Jason Momoa than they do Vin Diesel. I think Vin Diesel should have stayed with Riddick. And like after like the third Fast and Furious movie, been like, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'm just going to go back and make some Riddick films. Um, I'll be Groot. I'll be Riddick. It'll all be good. Um, I'll even be the Iron Giant again. That would be awesome. But no, we get shit like Fast X. So, yeah. We... Another fun thing in comic book news is, did you hear that Disney Marvel killed the Punisher? They, for good? He's he's dead for good? In some weird multiverse thing, Okay, I guess. 
Frank Castle has died a couple of different ways. He has. But they changed the skull into that weird, almost Asian-looking thing with the weird, like, dragon teeth. And Mm -hmm. in this last one, his wife comes back and says, I'm going to tell you the thing I wanted to tell you at the park the day I died. I want a divorce. It's like, what? Like, this is what they're passing off as writing these days. So it's very strange. And this is why I don't read comic books anymore. Yeah. Yeah, That's um, that's weird. Because I know for a while they they turned Frank Castle into like a Frankenstein sort of thing. Yeah. They did that for a while. Yeah. And somehow put him back together the way he was. Because reasons. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing this like one when... with the wife saying that she the whole time she wanted a divorce that yeah go, uh, this is the kind of stuff where it changes the source of the story and the legacy and everything else it's just out of nowhere some dipshit writer decides oh I have this great idea I'm gonna slap onto the canon of this story yeah like no you don't get to do that I think one of the greatest things I ever read with the Punisher was um because a lot of people use the Punisher skull. Um, and they'll like make one of the teeth blue, and then people put that on the trucks just to say they're supporting the police. And they addressed it in a Punisher comic where cop had a Punisher skull and he pulls the cop over and he says, I'm not a person you should be aspiring to be. You want someone to aspire to be? You should put a and it was like a bleeped out Captain America lo- shield logo on your car, not my skull, and then drove off. It was perfect, you know. But again, I you know you see the the Punisher skull everywhere and the with the police and yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I. Why would they? Why would the wife want a divorce again? I mean, that's been like quintessential part of the whole Frank Castle story. Him and his family go to Central Park. They get gunned down. He vows revenge, and proceeds to use lots of bullets. Um, but now the wife says, "I want a divorce." No. All right. Okay. Hey. Uh, yeah. Anything else you can use to disappoint me now? Because I'm, I'm. I'm just waiting for something that's fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I I, something entertaining. I, I've been looking through movies that are upcoming, and I really haven't seen a lot that make me go, "Ooh, maybe that'll be good." Like Nimona is so far the one of the first that made me perk up and go, oh, maybe this will be interesting. Um because yeah, things like Indiana Jones is I'm I'm I I, I again that's more of a, a train wreck than a movie event. Um yeah as I'm going the new mission impossible it's more of Tom Cruise okay Tom Cruise will run you know even though he's what 61 now or something like that. 58, 59, 60, whatever he is. Um, I'll quickly look him up. Um, just so I can know. Uh, he is 60, and but he'll run like a 20-year-old, like just flat out running. That'll be at least twice in the film. Um, what's his face? The 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 guy who's his his direct superior will tell him that IMF is over and what he holds dear is gone. And blah. he does that every fucking film. Every goddamn film he's going oh the the everything the world has changed without you and 
you know, you're you're having no impact on the world, and Tom Cruise and his crew tend to go out and have impact on the world. Um, and uh, something about a wife, and yeah. So we went all... to see the last one because the trailer was so damn good. We decided, you know what, let's go see Mission Impossible, and it was just meh. Yeah, I mean, there's it... some good action. Henry Cavill was amazing in it. Henry Cavill reloading his arms in that bathroom fight was the best part of that whole film. Agreed. I mean, watching Tom Cruise do his own stunts was kind of like, okay, so what? I mean, that's why, like, like um, Top Gun Maverick, the reasoning behind the having to fly the F-18s instead of the F-22 Raptors is, oh, the F-22s fly with GPS and we can't do that. Actually, it's because there's no F-22s with the two-seater um, and they want, and Tom Cruise insisted that all the actors have to actually be in jets. They couldn't use any CG, so they had to use the F-18s because there's two-seater F-18s. That's why in a lot of the shots where they're, you see them flying, they're actually sitting in the, the back seat doing the job. Or if they're in the front seat, the person in the back is actually doing the, because they're in the trainer and the person in the back seat is actually hunkered down and flying, acting like, oh, I'm the navigator. No, I'm actually flying the goddamn thing. But that's why they had to use F-18s. Um, because Cruz insisted that all the flight stuff be real because the original Top Gun, all the flight stuff had to be real because CG graphics really weren't in a state to actually do CG planes back then. And he insists on doing all his own stunts. So yeah. I still haven't seen that movie. It's the, the flying sequences are, are kind of nice. The dogfight sequences, the, the, a lot of the other sequences are horseshit. Um, and I'm being polite about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking through like the list of films. And I'm like, there might be one or two. I'm like, oh, Oppenheimer. But I can see that at home. I don't like there are certain films you have to see on a big screen. Um, because they, they, they need that large screen for the spectacle and the sound. And whatnot. A lot of films are fine on a home screen. You know, I've got like a 65 inch TV. It's big enough. I can turn on the stereo, dim the lights, popcorn, pause the film when I need to go take a piss. That's fine. There are some films that, yeah, you need the bigger screen, but very few. Very few indeed. Meg to the Trench. My son is in love with the the dinosaurs and the, the shark eating the dinosaur, but that's all he really cared about. So, And then watching the rest of the trailers, I'm like, I don't care about the rest either, too. So I don't know if I'll see that in the theater. Um yeah, I'm just finding I'm I'm less and less I have less and less desire to go to the theaters to see some films. And I don't know if that's because of the whole COVID thing and we were, you know, stuck at home and watching movies at home on streaming and whatnot, but I'm finding myself more and more willing to wait for a movie to come out on streaming in some fashion and just watch it at home. Um cuz I'm just finding more and more movies don't you don't need the big screen to make it a good film. And yeah. So. Yeah. Cause even the movies that I am kind of curious about, like <laughs> Sisu, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah. But I'll, I, I'll watch I'd it. like to watch it, but I don't really need to see it in the theater. I, it's not, I'm not quite motivated enough. Yeah. I mean, there's like, like, so there's a, the, uh, the movie Gran Turismo. Ba- kind of like it's not based off the video game it's based off a real thing where um sony had this whole thing where they 
put out this big contest to see if they could get the top Gran Turismo video game players and put them behind the wheel of an actual car, see if it would work out. And they actually got one driver who is a successful driver um, that came out of that whole program. And so they made a movie about it and it comes out in August. Again, I'll wait for streaming. I have no, I'd like to see the film, but I'm not going to run out to the theater to see it. It doesn't, it's, it's not capturing my, my interest enough to make me want to go sit down in the theater to watch it where I can just sit on my couch and watch it on the screen here and, and avoid some of the problems of theaters, which I found cropping up more and more nowadays of people don't have phone etiquette in theaters. Like they'll just whip out their phone at any point and it's right fucking screen right in the middle of the, of the thing, or they just start talking or, you know, my kid's bored. So he's going to run up and down the aisles. I mean, if I'm paying however much I'm paying for that film, the last thing I want is having to have a, you know, some six-year-old running back and forth because the parents are too fucking cheap to get a babysitter. So I can watch a movie at home, enjoy it just as much, if not more, have the, the, the luxury of being able to pause it if I have to go answer the call of nature or refill my popcorn or refill my drink or what, whatever, what have you. So I don't see it opening day. That's becoming less and less of a of a need for me i can wait yeah, it has to be a pretty special movie in order to make you to motivate you to see it that kind of opening day uh infinity war and endgame those were two yeah where those... i had to see them like i didn't want any spoilers mm-hmm. you know, it had to be their opening day had to be their opening day and i'm trying to crack my brain after those two films is there any film i had to go see opening day the closest one for me was Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. Because that, that one... one, we went to a bloody drive-in in Canadian winter to see that one because <laughs> of stupid COVID crap. People have um, goddamn high beams. Yeah. But I wanted to see it. I didn't want everything spoiled because I knew there was going to be the different Spider-Men, mm-hmm. but I didn't want it spoiled how it all came together. Yeah. Like, but... like even Dune Part 2. That's probably going to be a movie that seeing it on the big screen is going to be different. But I probably won't go opening night. Yeah. Wait a week or two. Yeah, I've read. I know how how the story goes. I've read the goddamn book so many times. It's probably imprinted in the the back of my retina somewhere. Um, But yeah, I'm like looking through and I'm like, is there anything here that I really want to go see opening night? Maybe the untitled Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel, which they still haven't done anything. I don't even know if it's going to come out because they're saying December 20th, but we've heard zip about it. There's been no teasers, no trailers, no nothing. There are other movies coming out in December they've already put out trailers for. So I'm I'm less inclined to think they're actually going to meet that that release date. So. And it's funny, I'm seeing more stuff showing up on Netflix and Amazon, like their series and their movies that are honestly more interesting. And I think, so back during COVID, there was this whole thing of like, will streaming take out theaters? And when, you know, people can start going back to theaters, like, oh, no, no, theaters aren't dead. Streaming was, you know, it was a a, a flash in the pan. I don't think it is. I think with the end of COVID, some people are starting to realize that, I mean, myself included, going to the theater is not 100% necessary. It's 
it's a great as a date thing. Like I'll, my wife and I go out on, on a date night. If there's a movie out that we both want to see, we might go see it. Or we just might go to a restaurant and have a pleasant conversation. It's not a driving force to go see that movie. So, yeah. And I think some of that came from when COVID made movies a home thing. Because we weren't allowed to go to the theater thing. And people started to realize, no, I can do it at a home thing. And I can do it the way I want. I can, if I want to have a beer while watching this movie, I'm going to crack a beer. If I need to pause this movie because now I got to go take a piss, pausing is an option. My popcorn bowl's empty. Let's refill. I don't have to have popcorn. I can have pizza. I can have a burger. I can. When people started realizing they had that freedom, they realized, okay, I'm not having to pay sixty dollars for a popcorn and a drink. Holy shit, it's it's much better. I, I don't feel like I. I That's have... what it comes down to for me was the cost. Yeah, I, I don't feel it's like a, they... things got so bloody expensive and it got to the point where I'm not feeling a return on my investment. Exactly. I go to a story, drop all that cash, and I don't feel satisfied leaving. Yeah. So, why so, am I going to spend that much money? Well, you figure you're, you're dropping 20 bucks on a ticket, another 20 or even $30 on a drink, popcorn, and, and some sort of candy. And then you sit down and you're, you hope you're, praying for that you know that 50 bucks you've just spent that you're going to be entertained for the next two hours we've talked about this before you know with yeah. the big family is when you bring a family to a movie you're talking two three hundred dollars for a movie yeah and you want to feel like at the end of that movie that you've gotten your money's worth and then you, the movie finishes the lights come up and you're like how much money could i have saved if i waited a couple months and we watched this at home how much money would have saved and how much more enjoyment would I have gotten? Especially if you need, you know, you don't have people suddenly turning on their cell phones within your, your field of view or the crying baby because people couldn't get a babysitter, but couldn't move, miss the movie at the same time either. Right. Cause so, if they do that in your house, you at least have the right to discipline them. Yes. Or kick them out of the room or everyone take your phones, put them face down. What's that? You don't want to comply with me. Give me your goddamn phone. I pay for it stuff like that. So yeah, it's, I think COVID made a lot of people realize how unnecessary some, sometimes the theaters can really be and how expensive they can be. And then on the flip side, the one movie I did want to see in theater, weird, mm -hmm. the Al Yankovic story. Didn't, I couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't go to, I mean, it was, it didn't play anywhere. Um, so yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I've gone through this list of films coming out in 2023 and I'm, like, is there any films here that I just have to see in theaters? It's a very short list. Is there any films I have to see opening night? Not a single one. What's your thought on The Flash? I think that's going to be one massive goddamn train wreck. Like, it, it just really is. It's It looks like a lot of conflicting ideas. I mean, you got the whole thing with Ezra Miller. This is basically the, the, the Snyder DCU's last fucking gasp. Thank Christ. No, because Aquaman's coming after this, which is even oh. more messed up. Ugh. So you'd uh, think this is the reset, but no, then there's one film after that. Oh, I, so I did see Shazam Fury of the Gods because it came on HBO. That was, I mean, I, I really liked the first Shazam uh, film. I really did not like the second Shazam film. Like as much as I like the first one is is how much I dislike the second one. 
Um, the second one felt like it was written by a, com a just committee of the whole committee of executives sitting around a boardroom table. That whole film felt like that. And it felt, feels like they almost did it line for line and then handed it off to the scriptwriter and said, polish up some of the dialogue, but don't change anything. And then they handed the director and said, don't you dare change a single goddamn thing. And probably stuck a, a gun in Zachary Levi's face and said, do not ad lib. And it felt that goddamn stilted. It really did. Like the whole movie just felt. And then the effects were of fuck it good enough level. Like it just felt like a lot of that level of, hey, we got this effect shot. Fuck it, good enough. Let's go. Next one. So yeah, that was <clears throat> that was disheartening considering how good the first movie was. I was wondering about that because <laughs> I thought the first one was pretty decent as far as it goes. And then the box office on the second one was so terrible. It's because I was the wondering. Was terrible. Yeah. It really was. That it was on as I said, it just feels like it was written by a committee who had a checklist of oh, we gotta in include this and this and this and and this. And yeah, it was just terrible, really terrible. So yeah, glad I didn't pay for that one. Really, really glad. And again, it, it comes back to story, you know. <sighs> You've got to have a good story first. You really do. But a lot of them are just like, let's just slap this shit together, throw it in the theater, make some money, lose some money. You know, let's make this movie and let's shit can it and make make some money off the, the tax return. So yeah. I'm just wondering how bad was Batgirl really? Was it that bad that they had to take a hundred million dollar bath on? I guess it was. It, it, honestly, after seeing what DC has put out, it can't. It, it, there's no way it could have been that bad. They could have made at least ten million dollars on that thing, easy. You know, they they could even if they got a box office eleven million. Hey, they're up a, a million from what they would have gotten. So, but from what I understand is by shelving it, that's just future tax write-offs. Yeah, so that's... it's still money in the bank at some point. So you don't have to embarrass yourself with this crap. You just shelve it tax right off next time you have a hit yeah, but now you've got the flash coming around the corner they didn't shelve it look at all the issues they're having with a the the lead actor and and reshoots and whatnot and now at the end of the year you've got the next aquaman film with that they have had to reshoot and remove amber heard out of it i heard she's still in it or at least minimize her enough so that yeah, the whole idea, from what I've heard, is they've had to minimize her so much to avoid backlash because she's just a horrible human being. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. It's kind of funny what's happening with all these superhero things. Yeah, between Ezra Miller, Amber Heard, Jonathan Majors, I, you're trying to prop up these franchises, especially superhero franchises of all things. Yeah. Dude, you know, heroic characters. These people. Yeah. When you're like, hey, we're going to hire this guy. Maybe spend more than like two seconds on Google doing a background search. So if someone has a history of like spousal abuse, maybe this could bite you in the ass. Who knows? Although maybe. they were saying, you know, with as far as 
you know, diverse casting and inclusion and casting characters properly, you know, hey, casting a villain as a villain, maybe that's good casting. Yeah, obviously not because maybe not. Yeah. Um yeah. It's 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 a lot of like, oops. Well, maybe people won't notice. Oh, people noticed. Well shit. Yeah. So yeah. As far as future things that I'm looking forward to, I think it's all manga at this point or anime. I really want to see the next Spy Family. I really want to see Boruto. That's, I guess, a couple episodes away from doing the time skip, which -hmm. is going to be interesting. There's all this theory that he might actually snap back in time and he's there in one of the old Naruto episodes. There's a silhouette up on a mountain, which could be Boruto. I don't know. I'm hearing all these spoilers from my son but Stop all this stuff your son. i know spoiler king every time he starts to open his mouth you're like are you about to spoil something don't yeah uh, but it's good he gets me all hyped up yeah for me Gives stuff me just I'm, enough i'm interested in that's got me excited and stuff like on netflix uh june 22nd is the animated uh skull island going with a whole king kong thing kind of like the same vein of like the godzillas and whatnot um witcher 3 the last henry cavill season starts uh june 29th they so, still have one more airing with them yeah they have a whole season so i think they're doing i didn't know that six episodes then there's a month break and then in july at the end of july they're doing the last six episodes or four episodes or however many episodes basically they're doing season first half of season three taking a month break and then the second half and then they're going to be doing the the um hemsworth version after that so so yeah this is the last of the the henry cavill as the witcher so stuff like that is got me more excited than fast x or whatever other bullshit that's coming down the pike and yeah i can't wait to see michael keaton as batman again but i'm not going to sit through that movie just to see that oh <laughs> uh, yeah i'm 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 probably not going to see that film in the theaters um i just i can't i really can't it's uh i mean i watched some of the cw flash series with uh uh i can't remember his name grant something or other he felt like you know he played it well yeah Um, i was shocked they didn't use him me too i mean you this is the part that killed me is is Warner Brother had the whole CW network and they had like Green Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and all these different and these people were doing it well. And they're like, oh no, no. They had a fan base. They a huge fan base. That's the thing that kills me. They got this enormous fan base. And then they're like, hey, we're gonna do a movie of Flash. Let's get Ezra Miller. But you've already got a very well established Flash that people would lose their goddamn shit about if he appears in a film of as flash people would like climb the fucking walls and empty their bank accounts and hand it out to dc going please take all my money and instead they get the train wreck that's ezra miller and then they're they're, they're backpedaling continuously it's yeah it that's part of the, it's just like really like this is i think part of the problem that dc is having is they just someone gets a wild hair up their ass, and then they're like, hey, let's go in a completely new direction again, and another direction, 
again, let's go in a completely new direction halfway through the film. Why not? And that's what I'm seeing coming from the James Gunn version, where rather than starting from scratch, starting fresh, they're starting in a 1990s era of these characters. We're doing Grant Morrison yeah. stories, and I don't think it's going to go well. I don't think it is either. Because the problem is, like a lot of the older stories fall apart when you put them in today's age. Like, imagine Watchmen, and then, you know, you take those characters, put them in today's age with, like, cell phones and shit like that. It changes the story. Like, Jurassic yeah. Park with cell phones changes it up entirely. Like, any any movie, the second you advance it up to, like, the 2020s with, you know, the internet and cell phones and smartphones and all that sort of shit, the movie can't hold together. The plot doesn't hold together because, like, why don't they just you know, use Google Maps and figure their way out or, you know, use the smartphone and jump on the internet and figure, oh, this connector here, that's the murderer. There we go. We're done. And yeah, so it, it was almost like, I remember back uh, in a creative writing class I took, we had to take a, a film from the 1950s and rewrite it to like, at that time it was 2010s, like 2012. How would things change? How would that movie be different? And not a single movie survived contact with 2012. Not one. Because all the major plot points of that movie fell apart with the advent of the internet and smartphones and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like quite... Superman working for the Daily Planet while newspapers are going obsolete. Getting changed yeah. in a phone booth. Hey. There is one phone booth that I can think of and it's not even a booth. It's just like one of those, you know, the little Verizon kiosk or thing. And the phone doesn't actually work. But Verizon hasn't come along and ripped it out of the ground yet because they have other shit to do. Yeah, I mean, Superman run up and be like, oh, damn. Uh, maybe I can go change in the bushes or something. Yeah. Spider-Man working for the Daily Bugle and taking photographs. Like, that was always iconic. Him he in his apartment or mm -hmm. his closet. With the dark room developing all the film. Yeah, wow. now it's just you, you you plug your camera into your, your computer and you pick it out and done. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hold up. And for, um, oh, Sherlock Holmes, the, uh, what's the name? Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin yeah. Freeman. Yeah. Where they upgraded it. That's actually one where they did a pretty damn good job of taking it to the modern era but mm -hmm. it is still a reinvention it's it's it a retelling is. it's an else worlds yeah they they couldn't just take the book as it is and trans and say hey keep everything the same because it doesn't work because you're like hey well why it's like i think i remember seeing it. why don't you take a picture with your cell phone you don't have to try to jog your memory as to, to what was said on that that piece of paper you glanced at you just like there we go um there's actually a funny scene in amphibia the cartoon where you know this girl Anne is stuck in like this whole she's different dimension with all the frogs and this guy pulls out a map and he's like this is where you need to go to find the treasure and for 10 gold you can and Anne just reach over and goes click click and, he, and then he's like or you could do that she's like got the map on my phone and it's just like the 
imagine like the old prospectors like here's the map of where the whole hidden gold mine is but i can i can't give you the map but i can sell it to you for a click click well shit <laughs> like thanks for the phone got it on the, got it on the phone now thanks hey i used i used google gps to figure out exactly where it is here's the best trail to get up there thanks old prospector yeah so yeah stuff like that just it Old films don't hold up to modern technology like that. So you, it's a major rewrite. But the problem is, is people get lazy with the rewrite, you know, and then you're you're stuck with the same shit again and again and again and again. And that's one thing with the Fantastic Four. I don't see how you can really do a modern retelling of that one. Well, they they've tried twice. That and the last go round was just like bleach in the eyes. It really was. It really, really was. Um, it was difficult. Yeah, I guess you'd have to go all Elon Musk with it. Like you'd have to take it, you know, that just that kind of crazy inventor. Mm -hmm. You know, Reed Richards is some just nut who wants to fire things into space. I don't know. Wants Something to find like it. Yeah, he, he. Well, it's the original was they wanted to go up into the like the Van Allen belts with the radiation there, and that's what changed them. But I think in the the remake they wanted to go to a different dimension somehow something I don't know I didn't watch it uh, you don't you just you you'll you'll just cry in the shower as uh, I always do yeah it's like these aren't uh, tears it's just water from the shower head no one can tell the difference yeah that's why I think it's I mean I know they're Marvel's hinting that they're going to be doing the Fantastic Four soon but. Good luck. Really good luck with that because I don't know how you're going to pull it off. It's it's going to be a tough one. A really tough one. So, yeah. Because even the ones with, with uh, uh, Jessica Alba and, and, and Chris Evans, I mean, it was early enough that cell phones weren't a big thing so they could get away with a lot more. Now they'll be like, hey, who's that? Uploaded onto Twitter. Hey, look at this guy. I mean, it's like no secret identity because before you could even be like, hey, wait, I'm, it's already out there. I use Google facial recognition to figure out who this guy is. Look, it's Johnny Storm. And that's something that could be really fun doing a modern superhero where they do have to take into account all of that stuff. Well, I, there was a book I read a while back um, and it was this retiring hero and he was talking to like his his protege of like with the advent of like facial recognition stuff like that he had to build up his mask to alter the shape of his face like a fake nose fake brows fake cheeks fake chin um and he wore like a set of prosthetic lips over his lips cuz like only like the, the the mouth was visible on his, on his costume and eventually he covered that because he's like you know computers can figure out who you are um, and he's like, you know, the, the, the speedster had to constantly jitter wherever he was just a little bit. So any picture would be blurred constantly. Like he couldn't stand perfectly still because all it would take is one picture and they could figure out who he is. And it was just like such an interesting idea because this book was written like back in like 2008. So it was like, this person's thinking about, you know, as technology grows and, People get a camera in your hand, like, oh, look at that. Take a picture. And they're like, I'm going to take that picture and run it through a facial recognition software. And 
hey, that's 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 Will. Oh, I guess Will is the 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 superhero. Okay, well, Will, you owe me some money, or I'm going to tell everybody. He's like, too late. Some already posted on Twitter. Well, fuck. So yeah. So yeah, it was just an interesting thing of like you talking about you know changing the shape of your nose and the width of your nose and your cheeks and, and like everything. And it was like, oh, and then you know thinking about it, you're like, okay, that does make sense because you wear a nice you know tight mask. It doesn't take much to do like you know take a picture, change the color of that skin tone, and then like start to fill. Like, oh, well, I know who that is. So yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, there's a story in there somewhere. There's got to be. Well, the I think the sensational She-Hulk had this whole thing where a photographer had taken pictures of She-Hulk while she was sunbathing, but then the uh, when they were developing the pictures, they thought it was an error, so they corrected the skin tone from green to to flesh tone, and then like, well, that's nothing. That's that's not She-Hulk. That's just some woman sunbathing. So yeah. Well, I've got really nothing else to talk about, uh, at least for this week. You? I'm tapped out. All right. So uh, I think this is going to end episode 78 for us. So I'm going to say to the, if, if you stuck with us listening uh, this whole time, uh, congratulations. Um, I don't know if I could sit through the whole podcast listening to myself. I could probably listen to Mike the whole time, but yeah, to myself, not really. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I could listen to myself, too. <laughs> All right, so I think we should do a collective goodbye and get out of here. You ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one. Collective, collective goodbye. goodbye. All right, folks. So this will be on whatever your favorite podcasting software is, or it'll, I'm sure it'll show up on YouTube soon. Good night, folks. Good night. This has been Geeking Off the Page, a Planet Geek production please be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can find us at our social medias through Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, Planet Geek Pod. Or you can send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next bad time, same spider channel, may the force be with you, and thanks for tuning in. <laughs>